October 14th, 4.04 p.m. Go-Go Yogurt Car Park. <laughs> I don't really know how to start this. When Dr. Holland told me to keep a record of my dreams, I bought this recorder because I thought it'd be better to have an audio record because it would save on time and paper and I could record wherever and whatever I want, but this just feels kind of awkward. I don't even know if anyone is ever going to hear these except for me, but thinking about it now, maybe it's better if no one does. <laughs> if someone did, they'd probably think I was crazy. <sighs> anyway, the reason why this is my very first update is because it happened again. I was in line for frozen yogurt a while ago when it happened. I doubt anyone in that yogurt shop could have guessed that just a few feet away from where they were standing, an ordinary looking girl was reliving a moment of excruciating pain. No, not a moment, a dream, according to my psychiatrist. But you never hear dreams being described that way. Painful. Dreams are just thoughts, after all, and most of them are harmless and forgotten once you wake up, or so I've read. But not this one. This one has persisted for months, and now it's evolved into something more than a dream. I remember the moment when that happened. I was in the main library on campus. One minute I was fine. The next, I was doubled over in pain as the dream, now a vision, played over and over again in my mind. I think the worst part is that when it happens, I can't do anything about it. I can only sit there and pray that it leaves me as quickly as it arrived. The lengths are totally random. Sometimes they leave in a moment. Other times, it feels like half an hour has gone by. Still, Dr. Holland says we're making progress, which leads me to believe that we have entirely different definitions of the word progress. I know he's doing his best, but I just wish his treatments would work. It's been the same thing for the last six months now. You know, ever since I died. <laughs> Joan Kendrick and the Realms of Lar, Episode 1, The Dream October 15th, 6.50am, my dorm room. The dream appeared again, and it stopped me from sleeping. Again. Like I said yesterday, I don't know if anyone will ever hear these, but I guess now it's worth mentioning why I'm in this mess in the first place. 
six months ago, I died. It was my own fault, though. I remember I had just come from the coffee collective in town when my friend, Jessica, texted me asking for advice. We became friends after sitting beside each other in one of our classes. I haven't heard from her in a while, actually. Oh. Anyway, she was telling me about this boy she had a crush on, and she needed my advice because she was planning on sliding into his DMs. I tried my best to give her good advice, and I guess I was too engrossed with what I was typing on my phone because next thing I knew, I accidentally walked into oncoming traffic. I know, you can say it. How cliche is it for another Gen Zer to be so distracted by their phone that they don't pay attention to what's around them? I remember waking up at the hospital. I remember my mom and dad crying as soon as I woke up, and my dad never cries. Ever. I asked what happened, and they looked at each other. My dad wiped his brow and told me the whole story. I was hit by a sedan, which put me in a coma for two weeks. I flatlined for about five minutes, cracked six ribs, suffered some internal bleeding, got a very noticeable scar on my left cheekbone, and there were concerns that I might have possible permanent brain damage if I ever woke up. It was a miracle that I had survived with everything mostly intact. soon. Maybe not tomorrow, but soon. <sighs> okay, I've got a few deadlines coming up, so I better get to work. I'll update this again when I can. October 15th, 11.55 a.m., my dorm room. It happened again today, this time in the library as I was studying. If someone is listening to this, I bet you're probably wondering what exactly my dreams and visions are about that they would have this kind of effect on me. Since the beginning, they've all been about the same thing, but... The reason why I don't talk about it is because I know it makes me sound like a crazy person. I've only told a couple of people, one of them being Dr. Holland, but I don't think he believes me. He knows something's wrong, but I'm not sure if he believes my version of the truth. He's been trying to find other, more scientific explanations for what I'm experiencing. His current diagnosis is PTSD, which is why, according to him, I'm having flashbacks and dreams and feeling pain, but I keep 
telling him that my flashbacks and dreams aren't even of the accident in the first place. <sighs> my parents don't believe me either. When I first told them, my mom said, Sweetie, you've been through a very traumatic experience. Maybe your mind is playing tricks on you. None of them understand. I don't know if anyone can. I had planned to record it in this audio journal as soon as I fully understood the whole experience. But I... But I realized today that... Maybe there are just some things we're... Never meant to understand. So... I'd as well just say it already, instead of waiting for absolute comprehension that'll never come anyway. I'll try to explain it as best as I can. I think most people would call what I went through a near-death experience. As I mentioned before, I did actually flatline for about five minutes, two weeks into my coma. I'm not sure if this thing happened within those five minutes, because to be honest, when it happened, it felt like it lasted a lifetime, and it was the only time during my coma that I actually remember having a dream. But it wasn't a dream. It was real. It was vivid and exciting and terrifying and humbling all at the same time. At first, I was floating in this black void of nothingness. Then the nothingness transformed into something, almost like a tunnel. The walls of the tunnel seemed to be made up of the fabric of the universe, or antimatter, or something that seemed to flow with me. At the end of the tunnel was a light. I know, spooky, right? I arrived at the light and all of a sudden, I was in this white room with someone. I don't know who it was, but they were just radiating love. An unconditional, pure, limitless love. I couldn't look at him or her or it. I didn't know what it was. All I know is that it loved me more than I loved myself. It knew me more than I knew myself. It understood me more than I understood myself. It was a beautiful feeling. I wish everyone could experience it at least once. If you're wondering what it felt like, imagine the feeling of seeing the most beautiful sunrise of all time, or seeing the face of your newborn child for the first time. Now, multiply that by a billion, and you're not even close to the feeling I felt radiating off of that being. Then, it 
started talking, I think? Or maybe it was more like communicating. I don't remember if it had a mouth or anything, but it was telling me something. It was telling me all about my life and all the things I had done and how those things affected everyone around me. It showed me the consequences of all my actions, both the good and the bad, laid out right in front of me for what felt like a second and eternity all at once. I didn't want to leave. I felt so at peace, so loved, so appreciated. I wanted to stay forever. But then something happened. All of a sudden, another tiny pinprick of light appeared. But then, it started growing. It was glowing so bright that it consumed the whole room. It was searing into my skin or whatever I was made up of while I was there. It felt like the room was a billion degrees and that the light was burning into my being. And then all of a sudden, I felt like I was falling. The light was getting farther and farther away from me. I was falling down into this abyss and then I just stopped falling. For a while, I was just in this darkness floating in the middle of it all. I don't know how long I was there, but soon I started falling again. I felt myself falling straight back into my body and then nothing. I don't remember anything after that. But apparently I wasn't out for too long because right after flatlining, I woke up. Doctors couldn't believe it. I thought that would be the end of it, but that night, I saw the light again. I felt the burning sensations all over me again, and I woke up screaming. It's been like that ever since. That light is what I remember. It's what I dream about every time I sleep. It's what I see in my visions. Every time it enters my mind, I can feel it. As if it was calling out to me. I can feel it searing into my skin again. Melting me every single time. Every time it comes up, I feel like I'm dying all over again. Sometimes I wish I was. I'm afraid to do anything now. I'm afraid to sleep. I'm afraid to wake up. I'm afraid to be with others, be alone, ride my bike, drive my car. Everything. Nowhere is safe. No time is safe. I'm always worrying, anticipating, looking over my shoulder for the next possible attack. Always wondering when it's gonna strike again because it's never a question of if, but when. 
when am I gonna feel the pain again? When am I gonna regret waking up from that coma again? When am I gonna- Crap. Damn it! Wait. Almost forgot. Dr. Holland put me on meds immediately after I woke up and told him about what I saw. He says the pills are supposed to remove the visions and dreams and help me sleep, but they aren't working. If anything, they're making me sleep even less. Honestly, that's fine by me. I would rather be awake, hyped up on 12 cups of coffee and running on pure adrenaline than see that white light again. So, yeah. That's my story. It's okay if you don't believe me. I wouldn't believe me either. But it was real. I swear it was. October 16th, 2.13 a.m. My dorm. <sighs> it woke me up again. I only got an hour of sleep before the pain started again. Ever since the accident, I can never get a full night's sleep. I get three to four hours max, and it's always broken into small chunks. Every time I try to sleep, that same dream appears and the pain just wakes me up. I think I've tried every sleep technique I could find on the internet, but I'm still here, up at two in the morning, afraid of closing my eyes. My parents are pushing me into taking a gap year after the semester. I mean, I don't blame them. I'm irritable all the time now. I always have a headache. I'm falling asleep in random places at random times. And I've spent more on coffee these last few months than most people probably spend in their lifetime. If the dreams don't kill me, this lifestyle might. It's been hard, you know? Adjusting back. After all the casts and the doctor's appointments, I was glad to finally be back on campus. Everyone was treating me like I was this abandoned puppy someone left on the side of the road. I actually kind of liked it, to be honest. Finally, people were friendly and concerned enough to ask me if I was okay. But after about two weeks, everything returned to normal. My professor stopped cutting me some slack. People no longer asked me how I was doing. And I stopped getting encouraging texts from friends. Not that I had that many friends to begin with. Friend making isn't my strongest suit. For example, I remember this one time in class, a girl sat beside me and started talking to me. 
her name was Maria, I think, and she started asking me a lot of questions like, where was I from, and what major was I in? I tried to engage with her as much as I could, but I never got an answer longer than one sentence out. I'm really bad when it comes to small talk. It makes me nervous, and I never really know what to say. And that's probably why she started talking to the other person beside her instead, and never talked to me again the entire semester. Except for that one time when she asked me if I had an extra pen. And that's basically why I'm mostly just on a hi basis with a lot of people. It's not as bad as it sounds, though, and I actually don't mind. <laughs> I've always been an introvert anyway, and I like myself enough to like being alone. Being an only child can do that to you. And anyway, it's not like a lot of people can actually relate to what I'm going through. <sighs> That's another thing that sucks. Everyone gets to be normal while I'm stuck here dealing with this every single day. If only they knew. But even if they did, I don't think they could understand. Maybe I should have listened to my parents earlier and skipped the semester. I'm currently staring at a boatload of paperwork and tests and deadlines, and I'm still trying to figure out how to do them all. Everything will get better eventually. It has to. Till then, I should at least try to get my life back to normal again. And staying in school is a part of that. Sorry, Mom and Dad. It's getting late. I should try to get some sleep again. Maybe I'll actually sleep this time. Maybe? Hopefully. Uh, probably not. October 17th, uh, 3 p.m. Town Center. I'm currently walking back from the Coffee Collective. I got another vision while I was there. On the bright side, it only lasted for about, uh, 20 seconds, but it's still- Oh, sorry. Um, it's it still derailed my entire study session, because I needed about 30 minutes afterwards just to recover and get my mind back to what I was doing. I have huge tests coming up for all of my classes, not to mention a bunch of reports and projects due soon where I'm basically doing everything by myself. Partly because the people I'm grouped with don't want to help, and partly because I don't trust other people when it comes to something as important as my grades. I used to be good at staying on top of things, but 
Now I'm cramming everything and just learned today that I flunked the big test I took last week. You know, for most of my life, I've been pretty good at school. I've always been a straight-A student, which is how I got my scholarship to even come here in the first place. We're not exactly rich, so I knew I needed one if I wanted to go to a good school. But now... I'm not even sure if I can meet the requirements to keep it. It feels like I'm putting in twice the effort and still coming up short. I can just picture my parents seeing my grades for the semester. What are they gonna say? <laughs> October 18th, 11.22 p.m. My dorm room. The most painful vision I've ever experienced came at the worst time possible. It happened right in the middle of a test. <laughs> I was trying to answer a question when my head suddenly started throbbing. I saw the light again, this time quite literally, as next thing I knew, I was collapsed on the floor, staring up at the ceiling lights as everyone rushed to my side. They helped me to the infirmary and put me on a bed to help me calm down, but I felt like, I felt like throwing up. And I did all over the floor, which hasn't happened before, but of course, why stop at seeing visions and feeling burns all over my body when I could also be throwing up too? I was knocked out for about an hour until I saw the light in my dreams and I woke up. Mom and Dad called me after the attack and told me to drop out of the semester so I can see more specialists. Of course I said no. We can't really afford to do that anyway, and the semester is half over, so it makes no sense to stop now. Eventually, they let me be, which is why I'm here in my dorm right now, trying to focus on making this presentation. It's going all right, I guess. I mean, I've been getting... Wait. Crap! I didn't take my meds at lunch today. How could I... I must have been knocked out in the infirmary when my alarm went off. Crap! Damn it! I need a refill. Okay. I, I better put this down and head to CVS to pick up...
Oh no. That's... It's starting again. Oh, okay. It's a lot. Like... Okay. What is that? Okay. It really hurts. Uninterrupted sleep for five hours. Five hours? That hasn't happened since. Oh my god. You won't believe what I just saw. I saw the light. I felt the burning sensation all over my body. And then. just stopped. I could, I could see the light, but it wasn't searing into me anymore. Suddenly it, it started to fade and then it disappeared just as fast as it burst into my mind the first time. And then all I saw was black, a black Blacker than black. An emptiness. Kind of like before. It seemed to last forever. I couldn't move. I couldn't talk. I couldn't hear anything. Then I heard a voice. It was muffled, so I couldn't understand it. It was like it was being spoken underwater, or from the other side of a door. I couldn't make it out, but it started getting louder and louder with each passing second. I realized that it sounded like it was calling out to someone, but I couldn't tell who. Suddenly, my eyes opened. I was in this circular room. I wasn't in the center. I I was off to the side. The, the room had walls made of stone and a floor made of dirt. Uh, there, there, was, there was a door, a, a few other cots, a cabinet with weird-looking vials and test tubes in it. A, a kitchen area, a fireplace, and two other people. But they didn't look like people. They were both standing and facing me. 
One of them was holding a basin full of water. She, or at least I think it was a she, had striking red hair, light green skin, and long, pointy ears. She had a kind, gentle face, and looking at her made me feel safe. She was wearing a brown cloak and had a brown satchel hanging from her shoulder. She was standing a bit farther away from me. Right beside me was another... man, I think? Who was hunched over, looking at me intently. He had curly brown hair, teal blue skin, webbed fingers, and big round eyes. He looked like a fish out of water. Literally. Or maybe a frog? His gills at the side of his neck would move with every breath he took. A man with gills. Let that sink in for a second. He, he was in the same kind of cloak as the woman. He had a sword. As soon as I opened my eyes, the blue man looked shocked and relieved at the same time. The green woman dropped the basin she was holding, muddying the floor around their feet. The blue man said something that I couldn't understand because I felt disoriented. It sounded like there was a wall in between him and my ears. He shouted something to the green woman, and immediately she headed for the closet and took out a vial filled with a purple substance. The substance seemed to be glowing. She handed it over to him. He uncorked the top and lifted my head. I think he wanted me to drink it. I tried lifting my head. Well... I didn't try. It's like my body had a mind of its own. I, I, I didn't tell it to lift my head, but it did. Or at least it tried to. It felt like someone poured cement inside of my head and it was weighing me down so much. As he put the liquid to my lips, I could feel myself slipping back down. I don't know where I was slipping off to, but I started falling away again, just like in my dream. I was falling away from them. I started falling and falling and falling, and after that, I woke up. <laughs> was... Was that a... Dream? <laughs> it, it must have been a dream. Right? That's the only thing it could be. But... But it felt so... Real. 
one time during the coma. It was... It was more real than real. It was like I was actually there. Living all of that. I could feel everything. The blue man's hand on my cheek. The itchiness of the straw bed. The soft silk of my clothes. It all felt so real. Why did they look like that, though? I've never seen anything like that before, except maybe in movies? <laughs> they seemed alien, but their surroundings were so primitive. And why couldn't I understand them? What the hell was that? Joan Kendrick and the Realms of Lar is written and created by Stephen Flores Tantoko. This episode was directed by Tara Hamara Open and performed by Margaret Chrysostoma. Our producers are Stephen Flores Tantoko, Tara Hamara Open, and Margaret Chrysostoma. This episode was edited by Carlos Ombrebueno with music composed by Benjo Casala. Our cover art and marketing materials were designed by Janine Rojo. If you'd like to support the show, consider donating to our Patreon, which we have linked in our show notes. Read the exclusive annotated scripts, get access to our Discord community, and even get one-on-one -on -one time with the cast and crew. One-time donations can also be made to our GoFundMe, also linked in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.